Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the third series of the Home Recording Guide. I am your host, Joe Branson, joined by Matt Knight. Hello there. Hello indeed. Now, in this series, we're attempting to make a track using only what's available to us in Persona Studio One, which, you know, if you've listened to the series so far on this podcast, you know is my favorite DAW. I absolutely love it. Now, Matt and I both use Studio One Sphere, which is the monthly program. It costs about $15 a month and you get absolutely everything that Personas make for Studio One. So their their latest DAW, all of their plugins, all of their presets and samples and loops there we go i was thinking trying to think of the word loops loops all of those things it's very good of course you can just buy one of the personas basic two channel interfaces for like a hundred quid from your local guitar store and you'll get studio one artist with that which is their mid-level daw this still comes with a whole bunch of excellent plugins and features and of course allows you to use third party plugins as well a lot of kind of you know entry level um daws don't let you use third party so it's very cool that they do that and if you don't want to do that or you just fancy trying out studio one then it's actually completely free you can get the simple basic version of studio one and to be honest it comes with all the tools you'll need you can't use third party plugins but they include a decent basic set of everything you'd want to use for recording to a basic level And I think virtually nothing that we're using on this podcast series, save the drums, uh, are things that are unavailable in the basic version. All the links you need to get started are in the description of this podcast, and you can visit personas.com for more details. I'd thoroughly recommend it, even if you're using a different DAW at the moment and you're not just starting out. It is really cool, really fun, really intuitive. It has revitalised my love of recording and uh, and it was great to introduce it to Matt as well on the last series. Now we've uh, we're on the well, this is the fourth episode. Normally we finish on the fourth episode, but I think we're going to sandwich in a fifth on this series because we're not quite finished. So in the last uh, in the last episode, I p- provided Matt with and played to you, dear listener, uh, a backing track essentially. So I recorded drums, which I used addictive drums too. I recorded a bass part. Uh, using a short-scale Ashdown Grail bass, like a little jazz bass sort of thing, and a couple of synths to sort of pad out the chord progressions for Matt. And then I actually had some fun using some uh, some arpeggiated synths to kind of fill out the sound. 
Um, it gave it a real, I felt, an Angels and Airwaves feel, that sort of new new wave punk pop rock feel. Um, so I passed it on to Matt uh, over the last week and uh, you, you, he sent it back to me a couple of days ago. And, and today, this morning, we record in the evening, so this morning I, I sort of opened it all up, dropped in all of your all of your files to have a play around. And my goodness, you, you the... The amount you'd done and the amount you'd changed. You obviously had a, this is a, was a really steep, this is a really dramatic kind of learning advancement for you, I think, from from the last series where it was just, you know, you put some guitar on some things that I did and then I essentially mixed everything else, even your guitars in some cases, you know, I was using DI tracks of your guitars and choosing the amp models. You've done, you've done so much to change to change the track before you talk about it should we play it to people yeah what, i think so what, let's um how should we play it to people because it's still still half done what do, what do you want me to include and exclude in the bit that i that they i think um i don't know because you did a mix down with a couple of guitar tracks that i that i did yes. in the background you added a couple of bits as well so maybe we play that okay. and then um we'll talk about what before I t- then afterwards before we talk about what I did I turn talk about some of the uh things that I learnt first some of the mistakes that were made and then uh I'll talk about what we what I did on on the day I guess sounds good to me okay dear listener here's the track uh Alamat Okay, there it was. So, Matt, my goodness, you changed pretty much everything on, <laughs> on, on this from what I sent you. Yes. So, the the one thing I learned was give yourself time and give your ears a rest. So, obviously, Joe, we're both very, very busy people. And obviously, we're trying to get as much done uh, in a week um, with home lives as well, obviously, to get to get this done. 
Um, and I had a whole day, this bank holiday, to um, wow. sort of crack into it. So I was like, oh, great, you know, like a whole day. And so I listened to the backing track and then I sort of started to fall down various rabbit holes um, <laughs> and then just sort of didn't leave enough time to do probably what should have been the big thing, which was do the guitars at the end. But to rewind, so I started off with like your backing track and was like, this is cool. And before I even picked up a guitar, I just started jumping into various things. So I was like, oh, well, you sent me all the stems rather than just the mix down. You did send I, me the mix yeah, down I sent you as well. Stems and I sent you MIDI as well. I sent you MIDI for you drums did. and synth. So I, I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. Like I, I've dropped the MIDI in and then straight away I was like, oh, I can see all, all the MIDI notes. This is great. Um, and I was like, I wonder if I can just drop Easy Drummer into into that MIDI track. And it's like, sure enough, I just dropped it in. And then suddenly it was, it was playing the MIDI drums from Easy Drummer, which was amazing. I was like, it was that easy to like someone to send like their program and send it to, to me like we we discussed before. But and I didn't realise this until the, a day later. When I was listening to the drum tracks, I was like, oh, you know, like there's too much of a particular symbol and I'm not particularly happy with the way that the actual drum part is. Now on Easy Drummer, if you're working in Easy Drummer first you can have everything on a timeline within the plugin and then you can drag and drop the MIDI into um, the Oh, really? The right. it, has its, it has its own sort of MIDI. It has its uh, own thing, player that oh. follows the host. So see, it will always drop it in certain points. And with that, you can change the play style. So you can be like, you know, if it's there's a bit and it's playing on the ride symbol, you could move it to the, the crash or, or whatever. And I was like, I couldn't do that because the MIDI notes were already fixed. And obviously the MIDI note on addictive drums was slightly different to the MIDI note in easy drummer. And probably thinking about it, I could have just gone to the MIDI notes on the edit menu in personas and changed which it. Is, which is how I do it. Sort of uh, very much addictive drums provides the kit and you edit the feel of the kit and, and everything like that from the application addictive yeah. drums too. But certainly when it comes to moving around your notes, you're doing that in persona studio. Yes. One. So yeah, it, easy drummer, I think to make it easy, um, it, it, it does it all in that. So you, you play it basically within the plugin and you can drag and drop the MIDI. So, um, so I did that and then I started falling down the rabbit hole of like different drum parts. And I was like finding different drum parts and then setting different drums. And I was like, Oh, this is, I actually prefer the, the drum part because it started to like build a bit more tension and stuff like that. So I was just playing the drum part with your bass part and, um, you know, was, was trying a bunch of stuff with that. And that was like, cool. So I've got like a drum part that works. And, um, but, you know, spent a long time sort of falling down the rabbit hole of drums. However, I thought what was good was that the drums really helped build dynamic. I think I was saying last time, like playing along to a backing track um, obviously can be quite inspiring and to have the drums almost the way I wanted. And it was a great learning experience for drums, but not great learning experience for recording guitar, which <laughs> we'll, we'll get on to. And then obviously the same thing with midi i've realized that i could send the midi note out of my interface into my hardware which was something we talked about doing um and obviously i've got this new moog synth so i was like oh, i can get some some bass notes out of that but because it was quite new to me in terms of hardware i just fell down like this massive 
rabbit hole of like tweaking it and getting it to sound right. And what's interesting, and this was a, a big learning curve for me, and I'd say a top tip is sort of don't try and incorporate brand new gear into recording straight away. Um, it's sort of, um, it's a bit like knowing your pedal board and knowing the sounds you can get out of it before you go into a recording session or before you go to, you know, so often, you know, you've gone to a gig and then you've tried to incorporate a new bit of gear and then you never use it because the first time you turn it on, you're like, oh, I can't get a sound out of it and it's all wrong and it doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, know all about and, that. Yeah, and I think I did the same thing. So the subharmonicon that I was using um, does like subharmonic intervals. So you, I was like doesn't sound right it's like pitched differently and i was like is it in tune with the drums and all this sort of stuff and i and once i started to fall down that rabbit hole i was determined to get it to work (laughs) so i ended up like tuning the synth to the track um which was great but then a bunch of midi notes in there were like clashing um with the bass notes and i was like God. So again, falling down this rabbit hole of like new gear, like trying to wrangle with that. Because I was, you know, determined to get it to work. I was like, no, I'm not going to ditch this. I've got a sound and an idea in my head. I'm going to get it to work. (laughs) Um, So that was the second big learning, which was I probably should have really... I thought the drums I, I hit together pretty quickly because I've got a, a decent handle on Easy Drummer. But mm. everything else, I think I should have started with the guitars, you know, and again, not try to incorporate too much new stuff. Um, but then I tried to take your pad part, um, which you'd sent, because I was like, oh, you've used a Juno kind of plugin or, or emulator in, in Persona. So I sh- I've got a Juno hardware, you know, here. I could route it all through that. But I realised that the sound that you'd used, you'd only hit single MIDI notes, but it sounded more like a big pad rather than playing oh, actual I'd... chords. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like playing it through. I was like, oh, it sounds so like weedy, but it's because you weren't playing more than one note. So I spent ages, far too long, far, far too long with Scalar 2, which I talked about on the regular podcast before, which is a fantastic app. Um, but it did... it doesn't do something i thought it could do which was drag midi notes into it and turn those midi notes into chords it will tell you what midi notes are and what key you're in and what scales you should use um but you can't have incoming midi trigger particular notes or at least i couldn't anyway i spent ages trying to do it so then i ended up um, you can just add them on personas though right in the i could just add them on personas um but the thing was i was like do i I could have drawn them in and in hindsight, maybe I should have. Um, but I was like, I'm not very good at music theory. I'm not, I'm going to be spending ages going, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? <laughs> and obviously Scalar did a lot f- of it for me. So I was like starting to program in a pad part that I could use. Cause then I could just drag and drop the MIDI hmm. again from directly from Scalar into personas. But yeah, again, spent far too long with something that I wasn't used to. You know, I think if I was under less time pressure, in some ways, <laughs> I yeah. would have maybe just like dropped it and start something else. So after many hours, I was like, right, I need to put some guitar parts down. And because I hadn't really, I'd listened to the track a lot, played through a lot of parts, but because I hadn't really sat and played with the track, I hadn't come up with anything. So I was like, right, okay, like quickly, like plug a guitar in, um, DI, 
you know, so sent through into the amp and then an XLR out into the interface. And I was using that as my session to like kind of get a bunch of scratch tracks down almost. But at the same time, I was like, I need to get some de-ice. Um, and I hadn't really written the part. And it made me realize actually the value in being able to use amplifier uh, amplifier in Personas was actually to get a good guitar sound first for ideas and record the DI and then reamp it later. So what it is, I was it is true, yeah. Being able to deal with your tone last rather than first is something that I really favour. Yeah, and that is definitely where I fell down with those tracks. I think because I was what I should have done was focused on the part. I was focused on the sound. And wasn't really experimenting with different mic placements and, and, and things like that. So I was focused on just getting the part down and the DI being a part of that. Right. Um, so I was like, oh, well, I'm capturing the DI, so you know I can reamp it later. But because I wasn't focused on the performance, I could still yeah. tell myself I was really just focusing on the sound. Coming back to it, I was like, it just, nothing felt right. It felt like layering stuff that was ideas, but it wasn't the final the final piece and I, yeah. and I and i did try to do some reamping but came up an interesting stumbling block um where my interface only has two outputs um obviously you can route a track in personas to go out of one of the outputs but it was sending all of the tracks through that and i was like i couldn't get the outputs to work properly to send just right to the just the reamp di track to just right and then the rest of the mix through to to left or to the main out so i could hear it in headphones so i was like well i'm gonna have to mute everything <laughs> and then just play it through and then record it um but because i'm in one small room i've got to i've got to play the backing track or you know the mix through headphones otherwise the sound will bleed into the microphone um but also just realizing how important the sound and how different the sound in the room is to the sound that you're capturing on the microphone. Oh, did, uh, absolutely. What, you know, one of my biggest things, when I first came to use Studio One, when I first got it and I started trying to record some tracks for a little project I had with my partner, Emma, and, you know, she was like, well, you know, what are you going to, what, what amp are you going to use for this? And at first I was like, I'm going to use my Tweed Blues Junior, surely. Like it's the, the, the reverb on it is unbelievably gorgeous, like absolutely amazing. And this needed to be super reverb heavy. But the thing is, the sound in the room of this lovely, lush Blues Junior was just not what was actually being recorded, you know, down to the fact that I think I was probably recording it with a uh, like a 57 and and a Neumann sort of. But like, I, I'm not an expert at mic placement. I'm not, you know, I'm sure this room's not 100% right for that sort of thing as well. I'm sure that those were the issue. Those were creating issues as well. And I found when I then did it, I did it once, you know, through through a Helix emulating that sort of sound and once through the line out on the katana ended up using the katana track just because well, it actually when it recorded in it sounded more lush and authentic and richer and dynamic than any of the others and that's i, th I think with home recording when you're trying to do it in you know i'm trying to do it in my small office you know it's like a single bedroom bedroom that i've turned into an office you know it's not a large space so mm. 
which it which comes back to sort of like my why I'm such an advocate for for plugins to get meaning that you don't have to have all this real world gear. I'm not disputing that you know when when we can gig again and when I start gigging in my band again, I'm going to be using a 300 watt all valve head. You know, I will not be using anything else. But when I'm trying to capture a a tight specific tone indoors, I like to use a plugin because I like to be able to change it at mm. a later date. And I know the mm. argument against that, that some of our listeners were pointing out is like, you're forever tweaking. If you don't just commit to a sound, mm. you'd be forever tweaking. But I, I do kind of like that. But, uh, but yeah, sorry, I digress from your point. No, I think um, what I would prefer to do from now on is capture a really good performance DI yeah. um, using a plugin to get a kind of feel for the sound that I want and then reamp it later. Unfortunately, I think reamping, I'm a bit limited to the interface I've got at the moment. I need to do a bit more experimentation, but yeah, it was couldn't really get it to work and i've got a reamp box and everything but i think because i've only got two outs trying to set it up so you could only route out of one it was all very confusing because what interface have you got have you got more than two outs or have you just got two outs on yours so yes yeah, so there are there are two outs on a scarlet 2i2 but i also i run out of my or i run into my scarlet 2i2 from a focus right isa1 which right. which has a which has its own like you can send using the isa1 i can have my guitar running into it for example then it has an out on the isa1 for me to run to a real world amplifier which it will also capture and it has a <clears throat> a di out that i can run clean into the uh into the scarlet as well so it's a it's a that's a handy little box for being able to get multiple things recorded at once life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Right, yeah. So I think that was. That's what I'd like to do more of. I think reamping is quite an important 
tool. Um, yeah. And I think it's a good tool, especially if you've got the gear to be able to to do it. Like, you know, I wanted to send some stuff through some, you know, the Space Echo or, or whatever, um, but not not easily doable on what I've got. But yeah, well, what I should have done is, is spent more time focusing on what guitar parts I wanted and then worried about <laughs> everything else later. But I was enjoying so many new, learning so many new things so quickly. I hadn't really thought about it and yeah that i think the guitar parts although my responsibility were an absolute <laughs> afterthought um however i think um the next day i came back to the track and listened to it and was like yeah i'm not sure on the guitar stuff but let me mute all of that and just try a rough I don't know, just try and make sense of everything. Um, and, you know, mixed it a little bit in the sense of just adjusted some volumes and panned it left and right to give the track a bit of space. And then straight away, I was like, oh, things start to sound a bit better. And I a think lot of that, its placement, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that, you know, that I, I definitely learned was, yeah, giving your ears a rest and stepping away from the project and coming back to it fresh. Oh, 100%. You know, and I think what I was trying to do again, you know, was was get a finished the finished article um, in like a single hit, <laughs> which I think was ne- was never going to happen. Um, yeah. And that was definitely a big thing for me because then I came back to him. Like, right, okay. And then when you sent the mix um, through today, and you sent one mm. with a couple of my guitars, and then one with just your guitars. And you'd mixed it and obviously done a few things, which we'll talk about. I was like, right, okay. I, I sort of felt re-inspired by the whole thing to go in and 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 do some new parts. But I can definitely now see the value coming back to it in in, in being able to plug in direct and having a plug in and just being able to mess around loads over a track, potentially with headphones on, uh, without annoying people with playing through an amp and like. I think that's you know, there's a. I'm very conscious of the noise level I'm making here because I live in a flat. So I didn't want to keep playing over the same two-minute thing for like an hour. And I think after I'd done it for a while, I was like, you know, was getting a bit conscious that I was probably making a bit of noise at like eight, nine o'clock at night. Um, So the advantage of being able to, yeah, go into headphones and have a plug-in and still being able to capture a wicked performance was something that I think I learned quite... um, early on i mean i, I or, or later on rather i'm definitely going to use i mean some might argue oh you've got a pedal board you get inspired by the sounds yeah absolutely and i think you know if i'm playing at home and i get inspired by a particular sound that i create then i i would try and capture that um as much as possible and then you know work the rest of the track around it later but if i think if i'm working like me and you were working um i would much rather focus on the sound on the performance and then reamp it later and see what sort of things i could get out of it yeah 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 that that absolutely makes sense i mean i know i know the whole point of this is this time we're doing uh things just in studio one with the exception of the drums obviously so i haven't actually used that on on uh, what i'm about to talk about on this because i'm going to talk about third party plugin here but it's something matt that i think could be useful for you i think it's very useful for people who are mixing on headphones or or just you know just trying to do things kind of late at night or you know whatever your situation is if you want to set headphones then 
um, there is a there, there are plenty of companies that do this sort of thing, but the one I favourite is Real Phones, um, which is a plugin you can get on Plugin Boutique. Actually, at the moment, I think it's on offer. It's about thirty pounds for the Real Phones Light Pack, which is all you need to get started, and you can upgrade with with Real Phones Light. But it's a uh, um, so it recreates the inc- the acoustic environment of a recording studio control room in your headphones. So it, it, it corrects the frequency responses of what you're listening to. So it turns your headphones into like a, a reliable monitoring tool for mixing tracks that you can trust. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, which is is kind of always the problem, I think, with mixing on headphones. It does really mess up. Or I I feel like it does. It messes up actually how people are going to hear and experience the the music. So having something like this that just re eqs your headphones to sound like monitors in large studio spaces and you can kind of define the space that you're listening to it's really it sounds like a really weird sort of thing this is surely just an eq curve for your headphones which i guess Mm. it is it's just a very complicated one and uh you know definitely definitely worth looking at uh for people who mix on on headphones but i can't i wanted to ask you about what uh, what you had used as your real world setup, because of course you you did actually mic up uh, some amps to to use this, and I, I noticed from your track names you were playing your music man uh, James Valentine. Mm. Um, but what, what did you what did you run through real world to get the, yeah. the sounds you did? And another thing uh, that I should probably um, that I, I guess maybe a capo would just fix this but the valentine and the juno i have tuned to standard everything else i i tune to e flat um no. because i just like the f- the feel and the sound of of e flat like mm. slightly detuning a guitar by like half a step does make a big difference i think a lot oh, of yeah. guitar players have, do feel that that sort of slightly richer fatter sound from going down just like half a step i agree i'm in um, d standard on everything so i have to capo on the set i capoed on the second to record this and to record the last thing we did just because i wanted to give you something in e standard because uh, I, you know, I, pre- I appreciate not everyone's not normally in d in d standard as a yeah. Junior, but yeah all my guitars and basses are in that so I, I was like so next time i think i might i might do that as well but so for the guitar parts, I went guitar into a radial J48 DI box. Now, you don't need a DI box to record. You know, if people are listening to this and you're recording guitars at home, you know, you can use a plug-in and you can go straight into your interface. The reason I have a DI box is so that I have a split. So the J, uh, radial J48 has a through, um, and then it has an XLR out into... Um, you know, you can go into your interface. So I guitar into the DI box, the through went into my pedal board and then the XLR out went into um, the interface. So that's capturing the straight DI. And then uh, through my pedal board into, I was using my Morgan um, then and was miking up with an SM57. And then the SM57 was into my Cranbourne Audio Camden 500 which i talked about preamp and then the output of that was going into the interface so i was capturing a a nice clean di and then i was capturing a nice mic sound going through a mic pre um which i had the gain cranked up a little bit on and you know was just sort of getting that set right um but again i kind of probably rushed into the the mic sound a bit more um than i should have i think what i should have done is 
probably messed around with mic placement a bit more. Um, obviously, SM57 is like a classic guitar mic, but it's very, very... Uh, it feels very, very direct and has a particular sound. Yeah, I find them quite like brittle and mm. uh, yeah, they, they almost make that. everything quite slim sounding. You know? Yeah, and like I say, what you hear in a room is 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 very, very different. Um, so that that was kind of that was kind of the guitar setup. I think next time I would capture the DI, run it through the pedals, and then run it through it without the pedals. So you're getting kind of like a wet wet and dry type thing what effects were you using mostly on the board um i was mainly if i remember rightly just using the cxm 78 with a kind of modded plate oh, wow the chase bliss um, just, yeah because it just it just sounds it just sounds so good um and then i think was doing most of that clean or was using the uh revival trim so kind of that right. Fender sort of um, black panel sort of slightly breaking up sort of sound. Yeah. Um, and we're sort of, yeah, sticking to that. But again, we're sort of really thinking about the sound rather than thinking about how I'd set the microphone up or how it was re- recording. Um, but that was basically it. Everything else I ran into the Camden 500 preamp, mic preamp, and then out of that into the interface. So the Moog, uh, the Juno and everything. How much did that, that Camden 500 cost? Uh, it was a two, 280, I think. That's not too bad. They, um, they, they look really good. I was reading some, something about them in, in, during last week when you sent over the tracks. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's really great. Cool. And I, th- I think, you know, just as a, a mic pre, it's got this thing on there called Mojo Style, which is um, it's kind of like EQ and gain and a bit of compression all mixed in on like one control. Um, and it just like fattens everything up. You can turn it off. It doesn't like necessarily color things to the point of like um, it sounding totally different. It just adds a bit of flavor and character to a straight DI sound. Uh-huh. Uh, and especially for things like synths and drum machines and things, it was really good. Um, but yeah, that that's, that was my kind of guitar setup. Everything else was in the box and basically in Personas. Um, so, you know, spent most of my time in that apart from the easy drummer plug-in basically and got to know personas a lot better i think and a few of the you know way just thinking about mixing and stuff like that it became a little bit easier and you know even to the point of pushing something to the extreme so you can hear what it's doing and then dropping it out to zero and then finding that balance in the middle, it's like playing with a guitar's EQ pedal. Uh, an EQ pedal for guitar, it's like you take a frequency band and you sort of turn it up gradually until you can hear where it's making a difference, push it beyond that, so you go, oh, that's too much, and then you can balance it back down again. Um, and sort of working my way along the chain to kind of get that. Sort of was, I guess, the beginning of sort of understanding how to mix and find the space in everything as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but, uh, um, what did you what did you do it to then when you when you got it? Because obviously, the first thing I noticed, and it was the same with the last one. The first thing I noticed was just like immediate, like punch, you know, hits you um, a bit harder than uh, 
obviously the 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 first mix down for example yeah sure i mean kind of i do very little to kind of first mix downs because i'm aware no, I'm, I'm aware that I'm going to have to put the bass quite high in a mix because it's kind of the leading thing before I'm before we're adding guitars and there's no point really doing much to the EQ on a drum kit before you really know where it's going to need to sit once it's got everything else on top of it. So when once you send me the tracks, the first thing I do is split them all out, rename them and colour code them into sections and then apply buses to each of those sections. So what I mean is you sent me through like uh, for the drum kit, you gave me an ambient mic and ambient mono mic um the comp track the kick drum and the snare and the overheads as kind of separates so i move them all into kind of one uh you know one area of the mix and color code them all the same thing and then i apply Mm -hmm. a bus to them like a master bus before i start eqing via that bus i'll go through each of the things and just try to uh i'll listen to the drums on their own and try and pan them pan them and level them so only using panning and levels i'll sort of make the kit sound as good as i as i can which is a you know a a joe gilder tip and then um i'll apply stuff now one thing that's great on personas is their their fat channel their fat channel is something you can drop onto onto any of these stems and then they generally have a preset that's a great starting block for any of these things so they've got like a they've got presets for drum overheads drum snare drum kicks and then the presets even split out into genres if you're trying to get something a bit more kind of musical and noty from your kick if you're doing like funk or jazz or if you want something a bit sort of thuddier and roomier for sort of rock kit so you can you can choose a preset and then kind of eq it from there so i'll apply those to all of the things to the overheads the snare and then on the on the bus for the drums, Fat Channel also has drum bus presets, which is very handy. So I can give the, I can apply an EQ to the overall drum sound to give it kind of a a, a particular feel. Whether you want that for that to make it more roomy, more washy, more direct and punchy. Whether you want it to bring up the treble, which is actually what I went for. I went for quite a bright sounding um, uh, sort of bus preset on the kit but um it's always fun mixing a kit and kind of panning things around and seeing seeing what you can seeing what you can do just using the fat channel the compressors the eq on the fat channel and sort of just messing around with them until you're in a place where you're like yeah this sounds good this sounds like the sort of kit i want and so often with kits i kind of feel like there's never a wrong or a right answer you could you can EQ a kit so many hundreds of different ways and it sounds completely different and the more sort of work in the mix, it feels very much like personal preference. Like I feel like the kit you sent me was way too Foo Fighters for me. It was like super rock and roll, like loads of like big toms. So I was like, right, first thing I'm going to do is tighten those and sort of try and bring give them more of a studio feel and that's preference you know that's not to Mm -hmm. say that what you did wasn't right it was just i don't like the sound of rocket so i was sort of trying to tighten everything up a little bit um so you know so i did that with the kits and then i took your synth same thing color code them move them all into one area work out what's doing what pan them and level them so that they're complementing each other. Now, I also had to check them against the synths that I'd already recorded to make sure there was nothing that was kind of doing the same thing that maybe needed to be removed or, or you know, or re-EQ'd 
on on account of that. With the synths, you can apply things like the Fat Channel. The RS300 is another great compressor option. But to be honest, if you're sort of happy with them and they're being supportive, it's, it's again, a Joe Gilder tip. Like, don't just put plugins on stuff because you feel like you have to. If you think it sounds okay, it's probably okay. So... Um, so you, all, all I really did with them was kind of move them around. Um, and then it came to your guitars. And for those, like I dipped out the DI tracks and I thought, well, I'll use your real world stuff. Um, and so I kind of leveled them out, uh, panned them around because you'd sent me like a, a couple, like to, like slightly different chord variations. So I was panning them hard left and right and leaving the tremolo guitar in the middle. But one thing I found from from those was, you know, as you said, the, these were just ideas. There was nothing really like leading the mix as such from from the guitars. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe maybe I should crack out a guitar and add something to this. Um, oh, you know, but we, before I did that, one thing I found was because you changed so much of the drums and so much of the feel of the drums, you made the drums a lot straighter. And I was like, some of the bass now is too lilted for, yeah, the, was, for the drums. It was funny because, again, I think that's where I struggled with the guitar parts early on because obviously the way that we've worked it is you've you've done the drums, but you've kind of done your final bass part so you're sort of written the bass part before we've written other parts and you know that does work sometimes but obviously yeah you'd played maybe slightly more different bass part to the drum track than i'd rewritten the drum track and then listening back to some of it recording it i was a bit like i'm not sure where to come in on some bits um and then i think what happened was as we we discussed earlier is i was then playing the guitars like super super straight but like on a different beat like, yeah. totally just it was just yeah i i definitely coming back to it again today was just like i learned so much about well i mean this is the thing you you only learn from the mistakes that you make of do you course. know what i mean um and actually yeah playing along to bands and stuff you know something i've not i've not done very often but yeah it's interesting that obviously yeah the bass part relied on some of the drums and obviously i trained changed some of the drums as well yeah yeah absolutely so i've been one of the things now listen you didn't you heard the original bass part but i've been messing around kind of re-recording different things playing it i played it really straight with the drums i didn't really like it i felt it made the whole track feel quite ploddy so i'm sort of i'm working at the moment on a bit of a hybrid where i'm keeping that pushed feel um to to the i'm almost playing in triplets on the bass sort of across a lot of the stuff so i'm going to keep that pushed feel to it but i need to uh, i i had a few things in in my drum track where there were like breaks in the drums and you've played through those breaks you know which is obviously fine i I just mean like the bass is sort of breaking or stabbing in places where there are no longer breaks and stabs and you've added a, a note onto the end there are it finishes on a buh, 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 rather than a buh, buh. So there's like a, so the bass finishes off with the rest of the kit. So I need to redo the bass line slightly. That's that's something I'll kind of get to. I actually also felt after we added in loads of stuff, I went for a real sort of lead, quite treble heavy jazz bass tone when I sent this to you. And I'm kind right. of like, yeah, the bass doesn't need to stick out in this mix. So when I was messing around with it, I got out one of my P basses strung with flats and I was playing in ideas with that. And I was like, this is much more where the bass needs to sit now. It needs to be supportive. 
that's kind of a thing I think base always has to be is it always has to support. And when I sent this to you, it was just synths and drums. So the support was to lead the track at that time. And mm-hmm. now at this time, it needs to take a few steps back. So I will re-record something in and pull the whole thing back a bit. But yeah, I guess the, the last thing I did was I added those, I added a couple of guitars in, um, uh, kind of very straight guitars, uh, you know, uh, those sort of like uh, octave power chords that, you know, punk pop is so kind of known for. I, I love doing things like that. And I felt like it needed a bit of a sort of a, a guitar that was leading the way in the chorus. Feel free to drop those out, Matt, when you, you know, mess it, you know, mess around with it again. Those were just like this part, this big chorus needs to go somewhere. So I'll play something in. So I got the uh, the harmony silhouette, and and this is what I love. It was so quick and easy to do. I was just listening to the track, and I was like, "Yeah, this needs something here." I grabbed the harmony silhouette, um, I popped it in. I opened up like uh, two guitar, two channels. Um, used the Empire, um, the the Persona Studio One's own guitar plugin, the Empire plugin. I had a Vox AC30 and the Fender Twin, so I was going like full Tom DeLonge. Tom DeLonge has had two Vox AC30s and two Fender Twins as his setup for a while. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll blend up the tone. So I armed both tracks, one with the Vox, one with the AC, uh, sorry, one with the uh, Twin and sort of, you know, EQ the amps on the Empire plugin from that. I use the Air Reverb plugin there. Uh, we spoke about last week, the one that allows you to do IR reverbs. They had some lovely sort of built-in plates that I that I added onto there just to give the whole thing some wash. Um, and then I, I just ran that guitar through twice just to give it some, you know, so I create, so there are four guitars, you know, both, both playing the same part, but of course I've recorded it in twice. So it gives you a little bit of a 3d feel and then hard panned left and right to kind of, um, you know, to continue, the, accentuate that sort of the dynamics of that. But, you know, it was like first second pass and all of those and it's great to just be able to drop things like that in and i think with guitar reverb is always your friend for letting something sit in the mix and the empire plugins are good enough yeah you know maybe if this was a recording a proper recording i'd want to you know go to a studio and get a real ac30 and twin and mic them up and have them at full volume but Mm. you know for, for getting things down those empire plugins are really really good yeah, and I, and I think as well, you know, so so many of us are, um, you know, restricted in terms of space or time to be able to crank an amp up or anything like that. And one thing I've realised now is I, I can be quite self-conscious at home, like playing stuff, you know, if you're playing like big double stops, you know, and you're bending notes and you're kind of messing around at, at a decent volume, that's just not ideal for a load of people. And I think what I would do differently now is plug in get that performance really hit the guitar you know get that sound with a plug-in but the performance is there and then send that through an amp when i've got i've got the time you know because i think you know you did this big octave thing and i was like i should have done that but you do my neighbors want to hear no context me just like (laughs) thrashing through 30 (laughs) seconds of really loud octaves you know it's, it's like you know there is a level of just being a bit conscious about the sound that you're playing and and you're playing to other people so yeah. um i think that's one thing that i've realized that plugins uh, can really help 
Um, yeah. The same same for bass. You know, I messing around just doing some stuff on bass with a different track, which is like just being able to have a bit of an amp sound compared to a DI just gives everything oh, a bit yeah. more vibe and character. And it's like, yeah, I'm like might just, but at least I've captured a half decent DI. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's so, it's. It, it makes a big difference with bass, I think, as well, to be... <laughs> yeah. they can sound really thin and dry before you add something on. Yeah. A little bit of flavour. Yeah, so I think what was interesting for me, to, to sum everything up, was it was more of a learning experience about the do's and don'ts of just, like, how to go about building a track and recording a track. So, like, got the ideas of how to record and, you know, to be honest, like, YouTube is your friend when you get stuck on one thing and you can't seem to get it. You know, when I came to doing easy drummer dropped the midi into the track and i was like right how do i transfer this to audio as separate tracks someone on youtube had done a five minute video i could just watch and i was like there it is you know but all the mistakes that you learn about like i said giving your ears a break maybe don't diving into new gear too soon um you know capture capture the performance first and not the sound yeah unless you're in obviously a big studio there's obviously a vibe there um but all those things for home home recording i think just make and i think yeah taking a step back and a break from the mix every now and then and coming back to it with fresh ears is just like the biggest thing you know i literally listened to that track back and did things for i think like seven hours straight um and i think it's just like trying to work seven hours straight it's just like your performance at the end of the day is far worse than your performance at the beginning um (laughs) and i think you only learn that through experience and doing stuff at home yeah yeah absolutely so i mean i so i guess that's that's pretty much us that's that's up at time for this week so we're going to do one last episode where we've finished up everything next week you're going to have another crack at the guitars get them over to me and i'm going to have a go at i'm going to master the whole thing i'll do like a final mix and a master using only the personas tools i've been watching a couple of videos from Joe Gilder this week on kind of mastering with the built-in personas tools and I'm I'm pretty confident that I can do it now to to a decent enough level. So uh yeah, so that will be uh, that'll be fun. That's that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do this week and we'll be back next week, dear listener. So you can hear the final version of this track all done and dusted. And I hope this inspires and encourages you to make music of your own. You know, ideally using Studio One, but you know, uh, I just hope it inspires you to create music yeah. at home because I think it's a really awesome thing to get to do. And if anyone, uh, as anyone has done anything as a result of this podcast, then share it in the Facebook group. Um, I think it'd be great to hear, and yeah, definitely get a lot of other people involved in home recording. I think it's been a real eye opener for me. So hopefully, it has been for other people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's uh, that's it for this week on the Home Recording Guide. We'll catch you, dear listener, next week for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.